Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we begin, want to remind you all to join the new Union Sports Goalkeeping Community, a social media network that reimagines how we engage, educate, and entertain one another. To download free, go to www.theunionsports.com or the Union Community on Apple or Google Play stores. Thanks for making the Union possible, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from a very toasty Hollywood, California. With me, 99 World Cup winner, Suskia Weber, who I should say is honestly co-owner Angel City FC, Suskia <laughs> Weber, after the uh, the result from uh, the first regular season match, 22,000 out, sellout, absolutely fantastic. Shout out to yourself, Angel City, the NWSL. Uh, really, really successful start to uh, the uh, the 2022 campaign. But that's not why we're here, guys. We're here because we're joined by somebody, one of the most legendary clubs in the world. This guy not only is at a legendary club, this guy takes education, not just goalkeeper education, but education to the nth degree. We're joined by the head of academy goalkeeping over at Rangers Football Club in Scotland, Graham Smith. Smitty, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. I mean, honestly, man, I'm really excited about this because, uh, you know, before we kind of get into today's topic, which is going to be, you know, outfield licenses and the benefit to goalkeeper coaches out there, you know, you, you've you've really been somebody that's been stressing education even since your, your playing day. So why don't you kind of catch up maybe some of the people out there who might not be familiar with kind of your your resume, how, how you got to, uh, to Rangers? Uh, well, I was a professional goalkeeper in Scotland uh, for 19 seasons. Uh, at various different levels, one of them being Rangers as well, at various different clubs, sorry. Uh, then when I started to turn 30, I looked towards the kind of next stage of my career and to, trying to, to kind of educate myself and go through my coaching licences from a goalkeeping point of view. Uh, I was fortunate that while I was still playing, I was afforded the opportunity to, to join Rangers from a schoolboy academy. So... Uh, taking the, the, the kids at the evening classes and taking the, the performance school during the day. And then ultimately being offered uh, the head of academy goalkeeping job, that was when I had to make a decision at 35 that I want to continue playing, which I thought I could. Uh, but the lure of the club was just too strong uh, to start my full-time coaching uh, career. Uh, and that, this is now the, me coming to the end of my fourth season, so... All in all, played for 19 years, been coaching for the last six, and hopefully many more years to come. Man, I mean, I, lo I love what you just said right there. And, and Susk, this is something that I know that you've stressed a lot of with, with a lot of young pros out there, is that eventually, eventually the playing days are going to end, and you'll have to figure out what you want to do and how you want to stay involved in the game. And you were fortunate that you got a chance that while you were still playing to, to dip your toe into coaching to see if it's something you were interested in. Um. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I took a bit of a break, but I think that's part of like, you know, what kind of, I don't I'm like bringing it back to Angel City. I think it's it's part of like kind of a new mentality here in the United States. Obviously it's been in place in Europe for a long time is when we have these amazing players is how do we transition them into our academies and our clubs and, and, and everything and get them their coaching license because who better to be coached with by somebody that's played on in for 19 years <laughs> um, in a league and, and at the highest level. And so if, you know, we can couple that with a good education while they're coming towards the end of their careers, then, you know, we're going to develop some really great coaches. And especially on the women's side where we need more women, co women's coaches, that's what we're trying to do. And it's not just coaching. Like you can go into the front office, you know, so Maybe you can. I don't know if I could do the front office. I, <laughs> I can't. I can't. Smitty, I don't know if you've seen the stress the level they have in the front I, office. As long as I can sit still at a desk as far as podcasts, that's about it. <laughs> that's what they say. That the head coaches in the office staff are the cold face. That you're better to be in the background than the goalkeeping coaches. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Smitty, I, I want to ask you a question in regards to that because obviously you said that you started working with the schoolboys while you were while you were playing. When you're still playing and you have that kind of, for the lack of a better term, that kind of that presence of, of they can come and watch you, you know, every weekend, do you have a certain level of respect from these young kids that maybe a coach who's just stepping into that environment who doesn't have the playing background does? 
I think so. I don't think it's the be-all and end-all that you have to have played, uh, but I do think that the experience helped him. I mean, part of me going on the licences was starting to, there were certain people looking at clubs in the goalkeeping union or the goalkeeping coaches union, where the, where the kind of guys having the discussions in the background and saying, oh, Smitty's on this course now and he's looking really good. He's looking towards, he's, he's coaching a bit now and he's kind of, although he's still playing. So that was kind of how the job offers came about. Uh, but I think from from a, a, a goalkeeper's point of view, from the academy goalkeepers, it did get me a certain bit of buy-in with them because they know they knew I'd been there and done it. They knew I wore the t-shirt to, to a certain extent, and the information that you were giving them almost gives you that automatic buy-in that they know it's for your benefit because it's things that you did yourself or it's techniques or methods that, that a certain coach used with you to play at a, at a good level. So again, I think it gets you that bit of buy-in. And, there's even that little social aspect as well. If you maybe lost 2-0 at the weekend and you maybe lost a poor goal or you had a great game, that almost kind of breaks the ice sometimes with the, at the start of the training sessions and stuff. They'll, they'll maybe give you a little bit of stick if you've maybe lost a game, but if you're winning a game and you're the clean sheet, they'll, be, they'll give you a thumbs up and a high five and stuff. So even small things like that are important as well. But again, I don't think it's great to have that that experience of playing, but I don't. Again, I don't think it's the be all and end all. As long as you have a knowledge and an understanding and a rationale behind what you do, I think yeah. you still get the buy-in from the kids. Yeah. yeah, and not every player makes a good coach. <laughs> no. that's for sure. No, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I mean, that's that is a really, a, really a good well, point. Yeah, the opposite Saskia. goes. Just because you did play, it doesn't mean you're good. You can translate it into how to teach because it's a very different skill to teach. Yeah. You know, and, and I think one of the things, too, in regards to the, the, the teaching aspect is that you want to have to, Smitty, you want to have to want to teach. You know, there's a lot of players out there who go into coaching because they think that they have to after they're done with their career. And then they recognize once they get into it that maybe this isn't this isn't for them, you know, and they have to be honest with themselves, too, that if they really want to be an educator. I think that was where I was at, if I'm honest. I, I think that for the, for the years that I played, I felt as if I had, I felt as if I had gained so much knowledge and gained so much experience and gained so much from the game that I felt it would be silly to walk away and and not pass that on to the next generation. And listen, I'm not saying I was the best goalkeeper in the world. I'm certainly not the best coach in the world. But knowing that you you in in ten fifteen years time, if I can see a, a goalkeeper, girl or boy that I've worked with for a small, small part of their development, if I can see them playing at a high level in 10, 15 years' time, then that's that's my recognition of you did a good job there because that that's when you'll get your rewards or that's when you'll see the, the final the final part of the, the jigsaw or whatever. And I think that was probably, now that I'm a coach, that was the things that I never thought about when I played. I just was very much focused on my development, on my my physical and my tactical and my technical kind of progression and ultimately playing every every week on a Saturday. And it's, it's probably when you take a step back and you see what other people do that you can then say, you can almost appreciate the role that they had in your development. And now I'm, now I'm at the other side of that. You can, you can see that again. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, Siski, you know, to kind of to Graham's point right there, in regards to that, like, I don't know about you, but like, I didn't even recognize until I started coaching and, and consistently coaching, sort of having empathy for the coaches I'd had in the past, because I didn't realize how much was going into it. Cause I was so focused on myself as opposed to which, and, and, and you should be, you know, when you're a player, you shouldn't be focusing on like what the coach's behaviors are and like their session design and everything like that. You're, Cause you're focused on your own personal development, you know, but was, was that something that you started recognizing Susk, when you got into it? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. When I look back and even the stuff I use today um, that, you know, that Blodge taught me or Franz taught me and, and everything or Timmy taught me like, the fact that I see now, like how beneficial it was, like it's still relevant today. It still helps me with my coaching. Um, and you're right at the time, you know, I clocked in and clocked out and my session was ready for me. The balls were out and I knew why we were doing things and stuff like that. But there's a different level of understanding that. Like, and, and now from the other perspective, looking at your, your goalkeepers and seeing their movements and seeing everything and why I did certain drills and why, why those, those things were instilled in me. Like you see it from a different perspective. So you see the drill from a different perspective. 
You know, um, by, and by the way, Graham, feel free to step in anytime, anytime you want. Uh, you don't have to wait for us to, uh, to ask you a question right here. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the thing is, this is, this is a really good way to transition into today's topic, which is, you know, outfield licenses for goalkeeper coaches. Um, a lot of people out there who are goalkeeper coaches out there, outfield licenses terrify them. They, they, they look at them and they go, oh, this... Uh, I've never coached a team. Why, what, what's going to, I'm going to look like a disaster out there. Do I really know the game and everything? Why don't we kind of just first off for people out there who don't know what we mean by outfield licenses versus goalkeeper licenses. What do we mean by that, Graham? Well, I think t- t- what you originally said there, it frightens a lot of people. I think that's the case uh, everywhere in the world, I think, because we're going back to what we're talking about, about me taking the schoolboy academy. My 19 years experience, if you, you've said to me, you've got, three, four, five goalkeepers, you have to work on a certain topic and they're all going to be age 16 and above, I would have been able to put on a session with my eyes closed. And that, I don't mean that in a, in, a, in a big heady way, but it was what I was comfortable doing. As soon as you then go into schoolboy academy where you're now thinking about age specificity, you're thinking about, and even little things, like you may have two 12-year-old goalkeepers and one really, really mature physically and mentally for his age and the other ones may be a little bit behind physically, mentally, you might end up having a two or three year gap there, although they're the same age. So it's about finding out what works for them. One person's way of taking information might be totally different to another person's way of taking information or retaining information. So you have to find that way. But I've never had a problem with with it. I've always kind of been comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. I've always liked to push the boundaries and I've always liked to... And I think that's part of why I've went and done a lot of the goalkeeping licenses because, uh, sorry, the outfield license, I think there's lots of it I can take on board and, and then it'll improve me as a coach, it'll improve me as a person, it'll, it'll help me think about the bigger picture of the game and, and ultimately what I use with a certain goalkeeper from the, from those courses I might not use with another goalkeeper. But I think it's like anything in life, if you want to really be good at something, you've got to go and, you've got to go and speak to people and ask questions and gain your own experiences of whether it's from a sports science point of view, whether it's from a medical point of view, whether it's from an outfield point of view. I've just always been quite an inquisitive person, an inquisitive coach. So if the goalkeepers are in the gym, it's not like, oh, it's gym time and I'll just go and sort my session out. I want to go, I want to know what they're doing. I want to know why they're doing it. I want to know how many reps they're doing it. I want to know how much the, the, how, how much effort it takes. I want to know everything because ultimately that's going to benefit me when I then go and plan my session and prepare my session for on the pitch. I'll know if they're pre-fatigued, I'll know if they've not done enough, I'll know if they need a little bit more. Again, I just think that the more you can know about something, again, it's your skill as a coach to figure out what you'll use and what you won't use and what's relevant and what's not. And you'll, But you'll, I think you'll always find something. I think you'll always find something. And I think that's the best way I've looked at it over the years. I, I love what you just said right there, you know, and, and Suski, I mean, we've even had this conversation in regards to when you step back into the college game at the very elite level, you know, with your, your past club, UCL, UCLA, before you're at USC now, that just being in that environment and being around those high level players, not just on the goalkeeping side, but on the outfield side and being really involved in the team meetings and, you know, them, I, I think, you know, you, you brought up the thing is that in the modern game, you know, they're asking the goalkeeper coach, you know, what do you think of this? It's not you're on an island type of a thing. So you really right. do need to learn the game because they want you to be involved in the team. No, absolutely. And, you know, it is intimidating because like, you know, like Graham said, you asked me to do something with the goalkeepers. You could do, I could do it. And it's not big headed. You could set up a session with your eyes closed, but you know, getting the nod to set up a full team session um, or uh, a defensive session and stuff, you know, they're, there is a learning curve to that. And, and for me, there was, and there still is, there is every day. And, um, but yeah. And, you know, we talked to Omar about this as well, that, you know, being in charge of um, restarts, being in charge of organization on corner kicks, really being in charge of the defense and how to organize the defense through the goalkeeper and everything like those are all, you know, outfield jobs, but it's all encompassing for a goalkeeper coach to be able to do those things as well. Yeah, you know, and and I think you know, uh, Smitty, you know, one one of the things that when I think about this and back to my own education, when I took my first outfield license, oh boy, it was deer in the headlights because it was like a foreign environment with a bunch of eyes looking at me that knew that environment, and I did not. 
And, and it was a real eye opener. It was also a lot like when they take the goalkeeper badges and there's the outfield coaches there. It's the same type of si- yeah, but situation. Yeah, but he knows how to right step now. off the grid. <laughs> but, it, but, but it's the, you know, and, and you know how, the, how, how artificial it is at these courses sometimes. You know, it's like, know. you know, have your you know, socks hike diaped to a certain level. No, but it's not just that. But I mean, like, what I mean is, like, you know, just off the cusp, like, it is the same thing. It is the opposite. Like, to set up a goalkeeper, to have a field player coach have to set up a goalkeeper um, session. They're deer in headlights for me when I, I'm like, all right, I got to set up this versus that, like, 6v6 or 4v4 with a box of this big and that big. I'm like, I'm not used to stepping off grids and stuff like that. <laughs> And I think I step them off too big anyway. So oh, the spaces. I always either make them too small or too big, Graham, at those at those courses. Again, it's it's part of learning. And, and what you'll find is certainly when I've been on the UEFA licenses, there's actually outfield coaches that are not deer in the headlights, but they've they've maybe been used to like working with a team at an amateur level or a semi professional level, and then all of a sudden they go to licenses and there may there may very well be uh, may very well be professional players on it or international players and it's almost like they get caught in all as well it's not I always think the the fear or the the, the thoughts that go through your head when you actually get on the grass and you, you're there it's, I don't think it's as bad it's almost like I always used to be like that in pre-season where I would always sit maybe two or three days before pre-season and go have I done enough have I, have, I, have I done enough over the summer? Everybody's going to be fitter than me. Everybody will be faster. They'll be leaner. They'll be stronger. In actual fact, when you go back, you're the same as everybody else, or you might even be better than everybody else. It's just, I think, almost the the the, the pre the pre the pre part of it is, is probably worse. And again, you, you gain you gain respect off the guys as well, and, and and the women as well for actually putting yourself in that position because they know that's yeah. not your normal. I mean, I don't. I've lost count of the amount of times guys say, "Why is a goalkeeper doing this?" Because I want to. I want to gain more knowledge and gain more experience and gain more understanding yeah. of the overall overall picture. Because if I've got if I've got a, a better a, a wider view of that, I'm that's certainly going to help me. But it's more important. It's going to help my goalkeeper when it comes to training scenarios and it comes to even dealing with analysis of things in the game that's not particularly went well. With one other day where thinking about with an attacking set play and it's. Being a kind of failed one, it's been headed out, but our, our guy's maybe 45 yards out and he's in possession of the ball. And he's under a little bit of pressure, but the goalkeeper naturally wants to shout and support play and say, Give me the ball back. But in that instance, it almost gives the opposition a, a chance to reset and refocus their, their, kind of, their, their defensive line. Whereas for the, the bigger picture or the benefit of the team, that ball's better going back into an area where it's going to cause more problems again. So almost like a second phase of the corner. So it's it's almost teaching the goalkeeper. And again, only through my experience on the license, I'm then thinking about the bigger picture. So when I'm saying to my goalkeeper at halftime, I says, absolutely fantastic that you wanted to show and support for that. Great. But think of what was more beneficial for the team. It was more beneficial for the team that we sustained that attack and we didn't give the opportunity the, the, the defence an opportunity to realign or get a higher line and, and, and defend it easier. So then it became an opportunity lost. So again, it's getting it's getting them in the habit of thinking of the bigger picture and how they can affect that bigger picture. I, I absolutely love what you just said right there, you know, and, and I never even thought about that, you know, Grant. I mean, uh, you know, Susk, you know, the fact of like, a lot of times as goalkeeper coaches out there, we're always thinking about what's going to be the most successful action for the goalkeeper as opposed to the, the team-oriented and standpoint. And, and, and I, you know, I, I don't know if if that's something that you've ever, ever thought about too. Well, I think it comes down to what we talk about when it's about like, like how realistic is this, you know, like, like just even movements and small sided games and stuff like that. Like if we're, you know, the goalkeepers incorporated and and you're playing um, short balls to somebody that's five yards away from you, like how realistic is this? Like, let's try to keep a certain amount of realism and how it's beneficial to, for us to go on attack. That's not beneficial. It's beneficial for the small side of game, maybe, you know, but it's really not realistic or beneficial for what the bigger picture is. So you always have to keep that in mind. Like you always have to play the game and not the, not the drill. Oh, a- absolutely. Now, speaking of the game right there, Smitty, like what, what aspects of the game do you feel that goal co- goalkeeper coaches overlook too much? Uh, I think... From an academy level, it's slightly different because you look at 
all the things that Saskia spoke about their positional play in, in relation to moving the ball and where the game is and stuff like that. I think when you get to more elite level, probably, I think more opposition analysis comes into play. I think looking at, again, the standard ones are set plays, corners, set plays, what are they going to look like? But certainly when we've played in our youth, youth league games over the last couple of seasons, we've looked quite a lot on the bigger picture of opposition analysis. So who their key players are, where they like to run, what type of passes they like to play, more what type of areas do they like to get into the pitch. So if it's round about the 18-yard box, do they play slide passes? Do they do half-space crosses? Where's their shot, where's their shot, tend- their shot tendencies? Sorry. So again, do they shoot from angle? Do they like to cut back? And yeah. again, it's just all the things that when we're leading up to that game, we can put in, we put the goalkeepers in scenarios that it's going to be realistic to what they're going to face in the game. So again, it might be if they don't swing the ball in from wide areas and they try and work into the, the shoulders of the box, so they try and get to the half space to cross in, like Man City, like Liverpool do, we can then put sessions on that that so that when it comes to the game, it's not uh, it's not unrealistic. They've seen this picture before, and then ultimately they can draw on their own experiences of what their position was in, in a certain training session. So did that affect the decision making? Because I always think position comes first, then the decision-making comes, and then the execution comes. So if you can nail the position to start with, I think in turn, you'll make more correct decisions. I think if then then when you make a decision, it's about then it's then working back and thinking about your execution, how you're going to deal with that. So again, it's putting them in all the bits, because I think sometimes we get caught up in like, oh, well, the game's the game, and just whatever happens. Yeah. But again, when you look at elite level now, it's very much about can you give them as much information as possible? And again, it's up to them to think what's relevant to them, what's not. So some of it will be good, some of it will just it will go out in one ear and out the other. But it's giving them the information so that you're you're no you're leaving no stone unturned when it comes to the opposition and comes to the game ultimately. Yeah, I like like put it in an American term or analogy. It's the same. No, I, I will. It's the same. Like we do the same as like football. So you have your prep team in football, American football. That, that does the same formation, t- same setups, and same plays that the team you're going to be playing against um, is going to play that Sunday. And so, you know, we have to put our teams into those situations. Our prep team will play like UCLA will play when we're, you know, when we're scrimmage, when we're scrimmaging and putting, we'll put our starting team into those scenarios so that come, come Sunday or come whatever day it is, they're not, they're used to seeing these scenarios where, where certain players shoot from, just like, you know, Smitty said. Like so, you have yeah. to, you have to do that at, at the level we're at. And it, again, it's the most information that your players can go into the game, so they're not like surprised about something or anything. By the way, I, I love one of the things that you know that that that, that you, you touched on right there, Smitty, in regards to positioning, and because I think understanding understanding the game better will allow you to have better positional awareness for your for your goalkeepers in regards to how to work with them successfully within the team dynamic. If you don't know how your team plays and you don't understand how your team moves and the system and everything like that, it's going to be very difficult to to give them the proper <clears throat> coaching and, and feedback on where they should be positioned. But I think what's going to be said is the team against the, the opposition. Like if you're drilling that in practice and you know that they shoot from angles or that they're shooting from this point, they like to shoot from these spaces or slot a ball from here, then – you can adjust your positioning that week in training so that it won't be a surprise because the next yeah. next game might be totally different. Absolutely. Go ahead. From, from under 16s, we, we, uh, down to under 9s, we had a little... I had noticed a few of the games I'd watched in the academy since Christmas. And our goalkeepers were really struggling defending the space because when we play the Rangers team, we don't kick the ball over the top. So we try and build and we try and have combinations and we try and have one and two touch and we, we try and we try and work work through to get finishes. So all they've ever seen when they go into game related practices and small sided games is that style of play. But when no disrespect to some of the other teams that maybe aren't technically as good as us, they were playing longer balls, they were more physical players, but our goalkeepers, because they'd never seen that in training. They never, they didn't know how to deal with it. So again, and and especially for under nine, under sixteen, you want to develop as much as you can. So we put, me and the other coaches, we put an education workshop on. So basically, we brought them in, we showed them videos from 
themselves doing it. So certain certain positions or positions on the pitch that where if the ball's in a certain position, here's where we would like you to be. It's not like pinpointing like you have to be 12 yards, but we're saying you have to be maybe between 10 and 14 yards. So that's up to you, depending on what type of goalkeeper you are. Again, thinking about different ways to, to defend the space. So if it's defending the space, it's coming and clearing outside the box. Putting them in scenarios where they, they have to think about that. Are they, are they Can they take a touch and keep possession or do they need to just clear and put the ball out of the pitch? Or again, thinking about working back to the goal and maybe defending the space. So it might be a slide drill pass and they have to come and smother. But putting them in scenarios where they, they, they then see that from a training session and from a film point of view, the next time they go and play a team who play that way and play a longer ball, they'll be better equipped. They're not. They're still not going to get it all right. They'll be inconsistent as, as kids are. But we've given them a lot of information. We've put them in scenarios where we're, we're asking them to make decisions based on their position and they're, they're asking them to execute things that they probably haven't done before. So again, yeah. it's just giving them, opening them up and giving them a bit of information in terms of, yes, if you played against Rangers, that's what you get in training all the time because the players are playing the way the Rangers way or their game model. But as soon as you go and play another team, put them in that environment. And then yeah. again, we've, we've seen over the last maybe 46 weeks that it's had a major benefit as well because they're starting to deal with these situations better because we're now putting into the training system as well because we're not just thinking about the Rangers way, we're thinking about what the opposition's going to give us as well. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Suska, I, I want to say this before we kind of bring up some of Smitty's stuff that he's got. And a really awesome presentation, Smitty, that you put together. I, I absolutely love how you're showcasing how the goalkeeper coach can really be incorporated into outfield coaching properly within the team dynamic right there. But, you know, Suska, obviously, you know, USC, UCLA, you know, these Pac-12 teams, when they get into when they're playing preseason or when they get into the tournament, they start playing a lot of teams that, again, may not have the same type of players but it's been a successful model for them how to play. And I, I don't know if, about you, Suske, but, I, but I've n- recognized that a lot of very skilled teams in, in, in college, college soccer, college football in the United States have difficulty once they, they come across those because they've never encountered a team that, that plays that style because all the teams in their, in their league play a certain way. Yeah, and then again, that, becomes, that comes to preparation, you know. I, I understand what's saying. So if you like hit the ACC and they're playing a totally different style across the board than the Pac-12 is, you know, but again, you know, you have a week to prep, you have time to set up your prep team to play certain styles against, you have film, you have all this stuff. So it really falls on the coaches, goalkeeper coaches and field coaches to, to educate your team properly and, in, and institute it in training. If you're playing against a team that plays, you know, a 4-3-3 and, you know, against whatever you're playing and, and so on and so forth, you know, you have to, you, your team has to see it. So, so I want to, I want to share this right now here. I want to, I want to throw this up right here. Uh, let's see here if I can find this here. Perfect. All right. Let's see. Can everybody see this right here? All right. Look at that guy right there. He's, he's got a little a half a smile go, half a smile going there. There must've been a draw result right there is what I'm guessing. Right. That must've been after Christmas. Look at that belly. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but Graham, Smitty, I, I, I love what you put right here. And I, and I think, you know, talking about this, you know, in regards to your role on team set plays and how you've been incorporated into, into the team dynamic, I think this is a really fantastic model for how to, how to use the goalkeeper coach properly in the team. Oh, again, I think, the, I think from, again, speaking about, uh, speaking about what we do at the kind of younger age groups, but me being... Ultimately, this is my team, so the B, the B team or the second team, whatever you want to call it, or the reserves, uh, this is my team. And again, I, I'm quite fortunate where I'm not treated like a goalkeeping coach and it's like 20 minutes in the corner and we'll shout on you. It's I'm very much part of the staff. I I get a say on session planning. I get a say on team selection. I get a say on substitutions. But ultimately, I've been given this role to do attacking and defensive set plays this year because this is the first year that we went away from a, an academy league or a reserve league. So it was playing against men. Ultimately, we're playing with 17, 18, 19-year-olds in our team. But we're playing against men every week because there's a league table. We managed to finish second in it, which was very, very good, considering, again, the age and stage that some of these guys are. But again, just preparing them to go and play in stadiums, preparing them to go and play in front of fans. It's getting them more aligned to what a first team looks like. So again, just before you start this one, so this is the set yeah. plays we looked at. This is the first process of 
opposition analysis. So again, I've looked at Celtic right away there. They've got two in the middle, round about the goalkeeper, and they've got one in the front area. So right away, we are thinking that round the back post, just above the referee's head, is where we would like to exploit the space to maybe try and score. So this was one. This is one of the first games we played them in March. So should, should I play this? Should I play this through? Yeah, yeah, just play, uh, yeah. Right. Okay, so, so I'll play this through. Boom. So again, no great quality in it because it was something. It was it was no great quality in it. We wanted the movement round there. No, no, nothing really happened. So the next part, we obviously went and worked on it in the training pitch with the guys. So the next play here, right here. So the next one right here is this. This is the next one with the with the yeah, actual implementation. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So. So again, okay. we looked at this. So again, I think this is massive visual presentation. I think that sometimes a lot of things. I've certainly learned from my experience the last four or five years of coaching that visualization and video is, is massively important. But I think to keep things simple as well, I think simplifying it's sometimes easier. Again, you look at that first video I just showed you there, probably a lot of people on this this are looking at all different things. Some people might be looking at the corner taker, some people might be looking at the goalkeeper, some might be looking at the, the cluster of players at the edge of the box. So again, it's I think to take all that away and really, really simplify it. This is what we put in front of the players. So this is what I would I would do, go away with the analysis team and work on this and just say, there's your setup, your Celtic setup. But again, what we've seen in the video, there are two on the goalkeeper. So the first point for me was try and pin the goalkeeper. Try and block his first maybe first maybe four or five yards of the ball being in play, because that's enough to then make his decision to stay. Again, can we go and crash a lot of players into the front area like we do and just have that one spinner in the back? So it's just, and then obviously the two at the edge are just locking the box in case there's any second balls. So again, you're, you're taking them from that pre-training to then the next slide, which will show you me just working on it on the pitch. Okay. Before we go into that, Siska, anything you want to add to here in regards to, I mean, I, I love the preparation and I love how you kind of showing the picture, the initial picture, and then doing it from an X's and O's standpoint in regards to this. So you kind of see it, see it from both, both, both standpoints. No, it's great. No, I want to see, like, I think it's great to take, take that off. And then the implementation on the in the practice pitch, so the next time you play them. Yeah, so again, this, this is what we showed them pre-training, pre was that slide there. And this is obviously right. just working at the end of training before the... So once, in a match prep situation, once we've done, we're kind of, we're shooting, we're, we're practices, we'll then work a little bit of on-set plays for a couple of minutes. We won't, again, hit them with loads of set plays. It won't be lots of corners, lots of free kicks, lots of defending corners, lots of defending free kicks. It'll just be maybe one or two, depending on who our opposition is the next day. So again, we'll have done our prep work during the week from a staff, looking at their weaknesses, looking at their strength. Yeah. We'll, we'll give this to the team, and then hopefully we get hopefully we get rewards on a Saturday when, when it comes off. Yeah. And the, visual, ahead, the visualization of the, the slide before, now going into it, whoever's taking the corner knows exactly where that space is in their head from seeing this as opposed to even from seeing the video this this shows you look look this so where's your target your target is the back corner of the six you know um and and now they can visualize that so when you go onto the pitch to train it that should be ingrained on where this ball should go yep. so again By the if, way, you I want the, if you play the video michael you'll just see sure. i know it's maybe 30 40 seconds but you'll just see me <clears throat> And speaking to the guys from a general point of view, really focusing three or four players, taking other people out, out the way as well, which makes this visually easier to see as well. Because obviously there's a lot of people at the edge of the box as well that are part of the team. But when it comes to the, the key guys that I want to use, I'll then go and put them in the box. Again, just I, I got a question for you, Smitty, real, real, real quick on in regards to this, because I want a lot of a lot of young goalkeeper coaches to see this out there in regards to how confident you are in 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 working these pictures in this environment with not quote with quote unquote not your goalkeepers you know these are these are field players in the environment and this shows that when you actually are integrated into the team environment these players have an automatic level of respect and confidence in you to give them information as well too if you leave your goalkeeper coach isolated it's a stranger coming into the environment it's a little bit more difficult yeah, absolutely. And, and and listen, this this was never that was never me from day one if I took the job. This is something that's evolved over time. Getting the trust of the staff, the trust of the players. They know that you've got knowledge, they know you've got experience, but more importantly, they know you've got rationale behind what you're doing. So again, 
showing them that showing them how Celtic set up, showing them where areas we can exploit, and then ultimately when you, when they ask questions, which which they, they predominantly do, you've got quite, you've got answers for them, or you've got let's try this one or let's try that one. So again, you can see that I'm taking somebody around the back, and again, it's not there's not loads of defenders in there, there's not loads of balls coming in the box because I just think as long as you can. They're professional footballers, so if you ask them to put a ball in a certain area, they can do it. If they if they ask you to head it from a certain distance, they can head it. So for me, it's more about just giving them the positional bit, giving them the understanding of where we want X, Y, and Z to go, and then we went where we want the guy that we're going to isolate. So again, this is a game we played at Celtic Park, which holds sixty thousand people. There obviously was only about. Ten or twelve thousand there that night. This was a massive Wait, game. Ten or twelve thousand for an academy game is pretty massive. Academy game, yeah. So again, it was, it was a, it was a, a big game in terms of we were neck and neck for second and third. So again, you look at there, we've tried to pin the goalkeeper. Execution's okay. We get into that space, but we don't quite. Doesn't quite pull. Uh, we don't quite pull it off. But again, you can see even from that first phase and that second phase, how panicked Celtic were. They knew that we knew looking at the side of the pitch, that they did not like the ball going in that area. You look at the goalkeeper, it looked uncomfortable. Again, when, when it went in, again, the movement's not great for the guys, but as you see here, three of them went to the back post this time, and again, we end up getting the goal and we win 1-0. So again, our, our, our planning, our preparation, ultimately wins us the game because we win that. That's the, that's the only goal of the game and we win that game 1-0. Nice. Again, through just looking at opposition strengths and weaknesses, trusting your staff to go and implement any training, but also when they cross the white line, you're trusting the players to go and carry it out and execute it. And then a great, great when it comes off like this. I, I love I love Smitty. One of the things right here, and, and Suski, I want to I want to talk to you about this because this is something that's massive as in regards to how to work with your goalkeeper coach in the team dynamic, and recognize how can your goalkeeper coach benefit you, not just in regards from a defensive standpoint, but also from an offensive standpoint. That's something that I know you've spoken about quite a bit. Well, yeah, I mean, you're you know he's breaking this down, but from an off offensive point of view, against where are the weaknesses? on the other goalkeeper, in the other defense. Where is it? It's the back half of the six. You know, that's where it is. So how are we going to exploit this as an attack? And that your your goalkeeper coach has a, has a perspective on that that a lot of coaches don't. You know, you're seeing it from both sides. Okay, where where would I be if I was in this setup and system that Celtic has? Where, where would I be nervous for the ball to go to? And this is where it would be. So obviously this is where the hole is and let's exploit it. Now how can I help set up the attack so we can exploit it? Um, and so having that perspective is, is key and, and it definitely brings something to any team and any organization. Again, you spoke something there, Michael, as well about, so obviously I've just showed an attacking set play here, but even sometimes when we get direct free kicks, I'll spend 10, 15 minutes with the guys that are the dead ball experts mm -hmm. and and we'll have a little turn and throw as well. I'll ask them questions like, well, what if the goalkeeper stood a yard that way? Or what if the wall, what if the four-man wall was actually split two and two so the goalkeeper could see through the middle? So, so they'll give me their rationale of what they think they should do. I'll give them their bit. And, and even this year, we've had 32, I think, I think we had 32 direct free kicks where it was just a straight shot to go. And we managed to score nine of them. And again, I don't know whether that's down to, I'm not saying it's down to me, I don't mean that, but how much of it is down to the little conversations? And I'm saying, well, see if, I, if when, I, when I played in goals, so I, I would go in the goals and I'd say, if I played in goals, here's what I would probably set up. But if I'd watched you go near side two or three times, I might just be a little bit more aggressive and go an extra step. I say, so, Maybe let them take the extra step, thinking you're going to go there, and then you go the other side. Just, just little things like that, turn and throw in relationships with the players. They get my point of view from a goalkeeper's point of view. Yeah. Ultimately, they're trying to score, but I'm trying to help them in my team. And again, we end up scoring nine direct free kicks from those 32. So we're almost at a 30. We're almost at a 30 percent ratio, which again yeah. is, is is massively important to the overall season. I mean, yeah. they, they, their goals might be accountable for seven, nine, twelve points. Who knows? Yeah, and this is something that goes into the run of play as well. I mean, I do it, um, you know, I do it with, did a lot at UCLA and now at USC, where I'm, I'm, I will talk to the forwards, I'll talk to the players that, you know, where the weaknesses are, where I'm seeing them, how they can beat, like, 
don't think I didn't tell Penelope how to beat Lauren. Sorry, Lauren, I love you, but I did. And I'm like, I know I used to be your coach, but I'm going to tell you how to beat her. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it, it comes with the sport. But, you know, you have that relationship and that trust with your with your um, field players, and, you, and they do listen to you from that perspective and your point of view, seeing it, like, even during a game in the run of play, I, I – you know, would grab whether it be sunshine or somebody like that and be like, look at what the keeper's doing. You're not seeing it. This is exposed, you know, take the shot when you're in this position and stuff. And and those are conversations that, you know, it takes that relationship and trust, but they're paramount to have. Yeah, speak, speaking of that, you know, Smitty, obviously, you know, talking about, you know, understanding the other goalkeeper and how they play and their traits and all those sorts of things that comes a lot into play when, when we're talking about, you know, short, short pieces like this. So why don't you walk us through a little well, bit that, about, that's about came, this? This came about because uh, we were, we were, there was maybe three or four games in a row where our success wasn't very good. We were, we were delivering. The movement maybe wasn't great. But again, that goes back to other teams what we do to, to analyze our teams, I mean, we're not naive enough to think they won't do that to us. So they were finding ways, they were finding ways to combat that. So again, there was three or four games where we were quite poor in terms of our like stats for getting first contact or creating a chance. So again, sitting down with the staff, I came up with this one where it was about just trying to play short, almost trying to access access people in a different way, or almost drag people out to kind of. Uh, to kind of access the box, as I say, not necessarily have to put the ball in the air, but how could we work something that would maybe drag two or three players out and create space? So again, if you took it back and just click that, and you'll sh you'll see what I mean by it. So again, this is a slide we show the players. There we go. So again, this is we're four, as you can see, we're nine, five, four, and eleven. That's the same players we had against Celtic. So we still want them to crash the box because that's what the team expects. But we're going to try and work a different way to, to access either the eleven or access the nine, five, and four. So again, it's short. Can you play around about them? Can the eight come into play just to play around about them? And again, can we access the box? So there's one option or two options to go and play through. So can, I love, it, can, I, can I, it get played back to the eight or can it get split in between the ten? And then again, you'll see it here. I'm the, the big slow defender that's out in the corner. Again, play the short one back there and we access the box like that. And all of a sudden we create a chance. So again, putting it into practice and training. This time slightly different with the split the two defenders. I love this. I absolutely, I absolutely love this right here. And then I love just seeing this picture right here, how it comes kind of comes together right here. Yep. So that's just the first that one we showed them at going to the eight, and we access the box that way. And in the next video, so you just let it play. You'll see the next one where it's like splitting the two defenders that go out. So again, you split the two defenders, <laughs> access the box that way, and again. That guy's still at the back post because they, we've moved the defence because they now need to think about they're getting into our box. They've got the ball on the ground. They're in control possession. We need to start. We need to start players pressing the, the game. And ultimately, ultimately, you've still got that guy at the back post. So here's just a couple of examples of working in games. It worked two or three times for us this year. So a couple of different examples of it going. Again, see that's the backward one. Then he splits them that way, and your centre half will never get an easier goal. <laughs> Even I can score that one. <laughs> they're used to heading them in so again one gets splits again cut back to the edge, edge this time and we score from that one and then the I love one. this man because you know these are awesome man consumed, I, they're, consumed with the, they're so consumed with the four in the box because they think that's the way we're going to play and then just to give them a little bit of variety and change things and all of a sudden again it, it happens two or three times that we get success from it and, and again this is all coming from you working in collaboration with the assistants, the team, the team manager. Yeah, so that, that's how you that's how you gain the trust. As I say, great that it's successful. It's happened two or three times over the season. You won't always get that, but as long as you've got a rationale and you've know you know there's a reason why it's for the benefit of the team and it's for the benefit of the overall. You look at this one here; it just becomes a straight shot because nobody presses the ball. So it's, diff it's different ways of. It's finding different ways of beating the opposition because, again, when you get to a higher level and people, you analyse them and they analyse you. Oh, this, this, this one, this one. Touched upon it there a lot of.
variation um, throughout all areas of the pitch, defenders scoring goals and midfielders along with James. He's got a smile on his face. Saves. How pleasing is that for you and the, the rest of the coaching staff to see that level of depth throughout all areas of the pitch? Yeah, I think it wasn't a game where it was just straightforward to six one looks that way, but it wasn't. You've just touched on there the fact that defenders had to really be strong in defensive moments. Jason to pull off some good saves at critical times again as well. Um, and you've talked about the goal scorer as well. I know Graham Smith, uh, the goalkeeping coach, is uh, responsible for our free kicks and, and our set plays. Um, he's delighted with the fact that we've now got two defenders going to score off the back of that. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's different aspects of coming to today's performance um, to, to get it to where it's got to. So, Again, that was a game that was 6-1, but it wasn't the scoreline. It was a tighter game than the scoreline suggested, but two of our goals, sorry, three of our goals came from set plays. So one was a direct free kick that we'd worked on. Again, looking at their goalkeeper, looking at the, the different twos and throws that I spoke about. Another two was both were centre-halves, managed to, to head one in in different areas of the pitch. So again, just bits that we'd worked on. And again, it's great to get recognition from the staff or the head coach to know that, that what you're doing is what you're doing's benefiting the team and ultimately helping them to win. I'm not going to lie, Smitty. Uh, Suska, I don't know about you. I don't know if I've ever been been brought up in a post-game conversation uh, by, the, by the coach. Maybe about, hey, so-and-so made some great saves. They've been working with blah, 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 or whatever. But never like, yeah, you know, in these goal-scoring opportunities, you know, i got to give a lot of credit to you know our goalkeeper coach, you know, Graham Smith, Smith on that one. So, I mean, I love the fact that you added that into that presentation right there because that that does show the respect and that does show, you know, the knowledge base. Suska, I want to ask you a qu question, you know, because, you know, you, you've seen this from a lot of different coaches in the environments trying in the college game especially trying to work with the team and and trying to acknowledge themselves what mistakes do a lot of goalkeeper coaches make when they try to force themselves let's just say in into into the team plan as opposed to make it organic i don't know <laughs> like, no. um i i think i'd have that's a that's an open-ended question it depends on okay. your team and and, and your relationship um, to force yourself into something means that the team's not used to you um, communicating with them and working with them. Um, you're maybe, maybe you're not sure. Maybe you think you have an idea. I would to throw a dart. I don't know. Maybe you think you have an idea of the system and what the, and then what the coaches are trying to get out of something and you force your idea in there when it doesn't really fit. Um, so you want to be on the same page as your coaching staff, as your whole team. Like this is our goal in these situations. Uh, especially if you don't have total control over like the setup, like, you know, grandma had total control over that. So that was, you know, that was awesome. I think that if I were to say, if, if Sam were doing set pieces and stuff like that, when we were working together and I came in with a whole def different idea because I was trying to insert myself and it totally was contradicted to her. And that's the mistake you're making. You have to make sure you're on the same page as, as everybody else in your staff. Else it's just a big I mean cluster. <laughs> like, I think Saskia makes a good point there in terms of not everybody's the same, not every, not all coaching staff's the same, not all clubs are the same. But it's, I, I think it's, again, it's not something that, even in my own situation, it's not something that's happened overnight. Yeah. Went back to what I'm speaking about before, it's, if I want to know something about analysis, I'll go and spend five, ten minutes with the analysis team and I'll ask questions. So again, if I maybe want to know something about an attack information or whatever, I would I would seek out the attacking players or I would seek out the coaching staff to say, I've got a question about this and I've got a question about that. What would you do in this situation or whatever? And and also that bit of sometimes you might not even be comfortable going straight to the head coach. It might be that you almost do it through a second person. So it might be that you have a better relationship with the yeah. first team coach or you have a better relationship with the assistant manager. And you might then be able to approach the manager through them, if that makes sense, or the head coach through them. So it's a... I think yeah. it's about agree with you, Saskia. It's about finding your environment, knowing what, knowing what's going to maybe get you a little road in or open a little door for you. But you don't want to be too forceful with it either, because yeah. it might be that that door might get slammed back in your face. So again, I yeah, think I mean, like Graham, like he, he switched, right, the right way. If he switched clubs or something, he couldn't just roll in with and be like. Well, I do this, this, and that, and this is how I do it. You know, you have to, you have to, you have to work your way in. And again, it might not be going to the head coach. And I agree with that. There's certain things when, when we were. I mean, obviously, I've only been at USC for two months. So when we were, when we were at UCLA, like there's certain things I would go to Sam for because Sam actually was the one that would work on free kicks and work on restarts and everything. So I would go to her with my thoughts and 
um, how to expose, you know, the other team's goalkeeper, what I was seeing and stuff. I wouldn't just go straight to Amanda and then we would go and present it together or, or whatever way, because she was the one that was handling it. So uh, yeah, you have to know your environment. And that was something uh, I did when I was young. See, as a young goalkeeper, you want to learn the role. You want to learn as much as possible. Because back to what we spoke about before, whatever you do in life, I think to be good at it or to, to, to try and be the best at it, you need to rely on other people. You can't just, you yeah. just going to be every bit of information is yours and that's it. You've got to collect different bits for different people. And I was the same when I was a young goalkeeper. I would always ask questions as a senior mm. goalkeeper. I'd always say, what about, what about this? What about this safe selection or... What about, what about foot position there? Or what about my balance? Do you think it's off? Or am I pushing my hips through? Or, or do I need to be further forward on my shoulders? Or all, all different things. And then it's up to you then to take that information and, and work with whatever way you need to. And, I, and I, again, from a staffing point of view, I, I'm the same. I've Over the years, I've, I've been fortunate that I've worked with some good coaches that have had good careers. And But the one might one might be the defender and one might have been a, a striker. And again, it's just about picking these guys' brains and asking asking the questions that you think is going to benefit you because it's it's like adding strings to your bow. The more strings you've got in your bow, the better you're going to be and, and the more then I can pass on to goalkeepers because ultimately if I'm improving and my information and my knowledge is improving, then they're improving. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this, I think one of the, you know, to kind of get back to mistakes just really quickly for myself here personally, I know that through my coaching journey, one of the mistakes I made was not asking questions of people that had more knowledge than me in certain areas of the game out of insecurity that they would think less of me or that, oh, I should already know this by now, you know, and that's something that I had to go through in my own journey. And I think, you know, you know, Saskia, just like you know, being able to be humble and be willing to admit you know, this is something I know, despite your accolades as a player, you know, in regards to winning World Cups and Olympics and all those sorts of things, you know, the fact that you're willing to admit when when you weren't sure of something or didn't know something only has led to where you are today as a coach. Yeah. And it also is a give and take with that um, humility, in a sense. And and it's I need to learn. Like, I'm always learning. I don't know. I'm by no way a great like the greatest coach like, or anything. So I need to learn and, and switching environments. I need to learn like switching from USC to UCLA to USC. I need to learn. So, you know, like having those conversations now it goes both ways now amy and i'll sit there and we talk about the goalkeepers and she asks me questions and what what i'm seeing and if she's seeing stuff um certain way and um breakdowns like is this happening why is this happening like she'll ask me just like i asked asked um, my head coach and, and her the same questions it's a give and take smitty i got a question for you for for young coaches out there what what is an area of the game that you feel a lot of goalkeeper coaches overlook when they when they take a badge and, and and it's it's the most difficult most challenging area for them when they're because i know a lot of times you know they'll they'll throw a session design out they'll say okay well you're going to be working on blah 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 and you go well if they'd given me set pieces or corners i would have been okay but now you know they're having me do all this midfield work and, and, and I'm, I'm really not comfortable here i think i think between the outfield I, th I think the goalkeeping licenses now are becoming far more aligned to the outfield stuff it's more about unit work and it's more about the bigger picture of you, maybe working with six players, or you might go to twelve players with a little bit of kind of direct or indirect opposition. So, I think, I think that's that's good uh, from an outfield point of view. The outfield, the outfield uh, licenses, I don't think will change because they're for outfield coaches. So, the goalkeepers, dip, the goalkeepers dipping into them is more from from an individual perspective to benefit them. And I, and again, I, I'll go back to it. There'll be. There'll be bits in there. You, you, can, you mentioned one there, like midfielders and stuff. So there, might, there might be certain parts of the licenses that are irrelevant to goalkeepers. But certainly when you look at maybe striker movement or defending the final third or whatever, midfield support might not be high in the list. But again, it's just going back to what I was speaking before. I know I'm repeating myself, but just gaining understanding and gaining knowledge and putting yourself in that environment. And, and again, you, you spoke about me being comfortable in front of the guys and that. That was never the case when I first started doing my licence. When I was 30, 31 and still playing, again, I, I would speak to teammates and, and that was one of my stronger points was communication in my game. But even going into an environment I didn't know, I was never always comfortable. But again, I, I, it's almost like you need to put yourself in that environment to, to, to get the experiences to make yourself more comfortable. It's like you don't... You don't learn to climb mountains by walking around the bottom of them. You, you learn to climb them by climbing them. 
and you might only you might only get a certain height, but then you come back down, but then the next time you might go further. And it's that almost that's what I think coaching's like, where if you're dipping yourself in outfield stuff, it's go go and go and experiment and there'll be loads you'll change. There'll be loads you'll think, I should have done that better, or the next time I get that opportunity, I'll change that. But again, it's about putting yourself in that environment and, and being comfortable, being uncomfortable doing it. And because nobody's expecting you to be the finished article, it's just about gain, gaining your knowledge, gaining your understanding. And, and probably to answer your question as well, the good thing when you go in these outfield licenses, see, because you've still got a mind on the goalkeeper. So, in actual fact, you might make a reference point to the goalkeeper or about the goalkeeper's position in terms of a certain centre back or a certain full back. And all of a sudden, the, the licensed guys go, Oh, yeah, that's right. I think the goalkeeper's important in this as well. Is that, if that makes sense. So, again, it's no, like, no, absolutely. It's like that balance of still looking after the goalkeeper because they're important in that, that dynamic. But again, broadening your horizons in terms of what the bigger picture looks like, in terms of formation, space, uh, systems, tactics, again, game management, game intelligence, all these things. You you'll only get better at something if you put yourself in if you if you if you put yourself in that environment to, to want to get better, as you said earlier. So I got a question for you. Um, do you think that goalkeeper coaches need to, you know, step it, dip their toe into? coaching a youth team or, or, or assisting a youth team or any, any sort of environment that maybe they, because I think one of the problems is a lot of times that these outfield courses is a, a lot of goalkeeper coaches go in there and they've never worked with a team before, or they've never coached. Of course, I think, players. I think the more education that you can give yourself, the better period, you know, you, you should, you know, as, learn, you know, yeah. it, it's you're, being only, only, educated on goalkeeping will only take you so far. It's not, it's a team sport. So, so, and am I telling you like you have, like if you don't, if you're not aspiring to be a head coach, that's fine um, to be a man, but you still have to understand the sport. You still have to understand systems. You still have to look at it from both perspectives and, you know, yes, we, you know, if you want to focus on goalkeeping, awesome, but it's like telling, it's like, the reverse, it's us telling um, other coaches, though, they don't ever have to learn anything about goalkeeping. Well, that's one of the players on your field, so you should know something. Yeah. <laughs> you no. know? You should know something. Like, I've heard the dumbest comments coming from great coaches before that that they were breaking down a goal on why something happened to me, and I'm like, really? That's really how you see the situation? <laughs> like, I was like – you had, like it was apparent you know nothing about goalkeeping to give me like that breakdown of what happened. And this is a coach that I think is an excellent coach. It was a club coach. But I was like, wow. You know, so yes, you have to educate yourself. You do. Yeah. And, and not only to mention, because you also have to be able to with that education coming, I'm going from field player coaches to goalkeeper. Like we want them to have that education. So when they set up their their sessions that they're not doing something that just is absolutely negating how to train a goalkeeper within a team setting. Like, you know, like this, this, this is stupid for the goalkeeper that you're going to kill your goalkeeper. Like, God, how many drills have we seen that um, field player coaches have set up where you almost send goalkeepers to the hospital. So like, you know, it goes both ways. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important to educate players as well. Cause again, if I'm, if I'm thinking about even goalkeepers that go in loan, and I say to them on a Sunday morning or I say to them on a Monday, bearing in mind that I've watched the footage, but I w- they won't know I've watched the footage. And I'll say, eh, how did you go on? Yeah, I lost a 1v1. Okay. How did the Why? 1v1, how did the 1v1 <laughs> happen? Well, I don't yes. Know. But, but it's given them that knowledge of, well, the 1v1 happened because the left centre-back overcovered or the, the, the right-back wasn't in far enough and he got split by a pass. So again, it's about educating the goalkeepers and educating the players as well because you, you'll know yourself, your own experiences. There's people you say, how did that happen? And how did you do that? That was great. How did you do that? I don't know. I just did it. Yeah, you have to be able to read the game. You've got other ones that really think about their footwork, their balance, their hand position. So again, it's putting them in an environment where they're not just learning about the action, they're learning about the, the decision, they're learning about the position that then creates the decision and, and again, putting them in vacuum so that, because if they go and play in front of 60,000 people, they can't, you, you can't be coaching them behind the goal. They've got to know the position. They've got to know what works well for them, what didn't work well for them. And if they do make a mistake, and I made that mistake because of this, this yeah. or this, and here's how I fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Smitty, as, as we wrap up right here, and thanks for taking all this time. I know, obviously, a big, big match, you know, tomorrow, you know, for, for the first team um, against Leipzig. Uh, you know, uh, can't get, honestly, any bigger than that other than the final. So uh, pretty, pretty, pretty darn big right there. But um, if, do you have any advice for any, like, oh, actually, you know what? Hold on. Here's something I want to throw up here from Jeff Tackett right here. Uh, and he goes, the real question here should be, if the USSF licenses are labeled as 11 v 11 licensing, shouldn't they teach a bit more tactical knowledge of all 11 players? Seems to me they need to change it to 10 v 10. So I, I think he was trying to make a point in regards to the fact that the goalkeeper was not being incorporated into these licenses. Uh, I can't speak for the Federation, Jeff, um, but but that is obviously something that yeah. we all need to we all need to be knowledgeable on. Um, Smitty, uh, what, what advice do you give to a young coach that has no outfield experience who's, who's taking a, an outfield license for the first time? Ask, learn, learn, learn what, think about what you want to get out of it. What, what do you want to, ultimately, when you come away from the what do you want to know, don't be, don't be scared to be out of your comfort zone. Don't, again, ask people, ask the experienced guys that are there, ask them what they would do in a certain situation. Again, going back, I know I've said it before, but just the more you can, the more information you can gather, Again, you'll look at stuff and say, I really like that. I'll keep that. I'll, I might keep certain parts of that, but I'll change it for my environment mm -hmm. and my team and my squad. And the other bits where you'll go, nah, that's, I don't like that. But that's still learning. That's still learning that you would never do that or that if that came about. And again, just as I say, you're, you're just trying to educate and, and, and improve yourself as a person and improve yourself. As, and ultimately, you're, you're trying to think of the bigger picture. Again, it's like going into a room and you only know what's in the half of the room. You want to try and know what's in all of the room. It's like you want the whole you want the whole room to be lit so you can see it and you can see the bigger picture. And then again, you pass that on to your you pass that on to your goalkeepers. And kind of what the Jeff guy said there as well about I think that's the biggest thing like about collaboration now. Certainly, certainly in modern modern football, it's about collaboration of staff in terms of asking the analysis team and asking the sports science team coaches coming to the goalkeepers coaches and saying what about this and what about that and and, and gaining their trust. Again, it's also collaboration between defensive units, midfield units, goalkeepers, the collaboration of the players and the team as well. Again, that's that's a huge part of it as well. But again, going back to it, just ask questions, improve your knowledge, improve your understanding, and ultimately it will benefit you further down the line when you're then in put that environment again. I, I think that's a, just just a great way to to wrap this up. Well, Smitty, thanks for taking the time, man, and uh, best of luck to Rangers tomorrow against Leipzig. Uh, I know, I know, you're uh, you're pretty excited about that. See, I see that smile right there. Yeah, it's, a massive, it's a massive game for the club. Again, I was very fortunate to be part of the the club when the, I was a player when we got the, to our last European final back in 2008. So I'm really rooting for the boys tomorrow. We've always had a, a, a tough couple of days where. We're, our kit man, who was at the club for 36 odd years, uh, passed away the other day, so it's been a tough few days for the club. Uh, it happened so with the club was kind of as a person's been taken away, considering they never wore, a, never played, and never, never wore a, a jersey. But it was just a colossus for our club. So, yeah, hopefully we can do it for uh, to get our, our team to European final again. Hopefully do it for Jimmy as well. Could be a it'd be a, a, a great tribute to him if we could. Nice. Well, well, condolences to, to all of you guys over 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 at Rangers, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, we have a little bit of a, you know, a, a little bit of a history with Rangers, you know, in the United States here with uh, Claudio Reyna, obviously, and his time over at Rangers uh, was 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 pretty massive. So, uh, so we will be uh, we will be rooting for you guys right there. If anyone wants to connect with you, first off, uh, thanks for becoming a member of the union. Um, that's actually yeah. how we initially connected. So yeah, was on, was on, was on the union. Again, I'm just. I'm on Twitter and I'm and I'm on Instagram and anything goalkeeping minded. I just I either yeah, save it, I save it and watch it later, or I'm I'm a goalkeeper geek. So anything that's there, whether again whether it's a it. session, whether it's a session, whether it's an interview, whether it's a a, a a a picture or whatever. I just again, it's things that you can learn from. You can say that was a real good session. I might have, I might take that and and again, listen, we're all idea thieves. At the end of the day, we all like to take ideas and take little things and, and, and kind of mould it and shape it into what we want it to look like. So it's no different to, to, to goalkeeping. And again, the stuff the stuff that you guys put out in that is absolutely fantastic. So well done for that. Thanks. Well, well thanks, thanks so much. And we couldn't think of a better way to introduce the fact that we've now, uh, we're now, uh, after uh, showcasing uh, with this little goalkeeper community, uh, there's been such an interest from people in the outfield community that we've expanded the app to all 
all field positions. Uh, so if you want to check out the free union football community on all platforms, guys, here's the link tree link or on desktop, www.theunionsports.com. Hopefully there'll be such a fervor in the football community that will expand into other sports as well. But, uh, but right now all to tell all the coaches at all the different levels, because we're talking about learning from each other, man. Now, so if we can have some people who have understanding of the strike, you know, striker, you know, an understanding of, you know, mid, you know, you know, possession in the midfield and all those sorts of things and start having these conversations on the platform together. I think it's going to be, Fantastic, especially since there's so many goalkeeper coaches on the platform right now to start getting exposed to some of these uh, these outfield coaches as well. So really, really, really looking forward to that. Um, Smitty, what's what's uh, what's what's your what's your handle on the union for people want to connect with you? Oh, now you're asking. I don't actually know. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at, at Smitty GK for Twitter and I'm Smitty Graham one for Instagram. Uh, but I'm sure if you go into the 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 union you'll find out uh, again apologies that i don't know that information sorry no worries we're all we're all learning our handle still um guys yeah, uh you I'm can not, reach I'm, out to I'm no good with social media but got two kids that's grown up so i need to get i need to get smart with it soon well we're all we're all we're all learning as you say you know we're always learning so yeah. um guys if you want to reach out to suskia weber who's uh expanding her social media knowledge as well at suskia <laughs> underscore weber on all social media platforms, except for on the union where she's at Suskia Weber. You can reach out to me directly at Michael Magid on all social medias, including the union or michaelmagidcomedy.com if you want my... Uh, uh, Graham, I'm going to be coming to Scotland in August. I'll be doing uh, shows at the Fringe Fest uh, really? in Edinburgh. So yeah, so I'm excited Apparently about that. Mike's funny. <laughs> Not on this podcast, but another podcast. <laughs> other podcasts <laughs> if, if you guys have a guest suggestion or topic suggestion <laughs> contact at inside the 18 media.com or at goalkeeper podcast on all social medias including the union uh that's all the time on inside the 18 today guys and we are out Bye, guys. later Get out of here!